0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Just Breathe podcast with Matt and Rachel.
1: To start, we have an exciting announcement.
0: Going forward, we will no longer be the Just Breathe podcast, but we'll be the Figuring It Out podcast.
1: Basically, when we started the podcast, Just Breathe really originated from the yoga, yoga retreats that we will be leading, but as we kept... Recording each episode and diving deeper into our interests, we just realized that the podcast was really taking a life of its own.
0: Yeah, so I think this is a great opportunity for us to explore more uh, of what we're interested in. Um, we're gonna talk about, we're gonna try to get some more people on, learning about their paths and how they got to where they are. Uh, different people that are expanders for us and. You know, kind of showing how they got to where they are and how we can learn from it.
1: Yeah, definitely. We really want to talk to more people about how they called in their purpose, how they created their dream life, and through that, share uh, information and tips for how you can do the same for your own life. Yeah, and today,
0: a very exciting episode. It's our inaugural interview episode with the one and only Duncan Graham.
1: Yes, so Duncan is my brother and... He is an artist, a designer, a rock climber. He lives in San Francisco. He's chess, got a-
0: chess master, yeah. dog owner.
1: He's got a lot going on, and he's definitely an expander for us and someone we look up to. So this was a really fun episode.
0: Yeah, so in the episode, you're going to learn about Duncan's morning routine, uh, some of his daily habits, uh, some interesting things about what he does on a day-to-day basis, including he is a hostel runner, runner owner, hostelier, Facilitator? hostelier. That sounds like <laughs> a, good, a good word for that. Uh, yeah, and we kind of learned some different ways how he incorporates community into his daily life, and an interesting take on how he pivoted uh, throughout his career and life to end up where he is and doing what he wants to do.
1: Yeah, it was a really fun interview. Our first interview, so we forgot to plug him at the end. So we're gonna plug him right now. You can follow him on Instagram at oh gosh, oh geez.
0: Yes, that's o o h, g o s h g o h g e z. can't U-C-G. spell. Oh gosh, ogz. Oh uh, you can. G with a G. Yeah, G, g of a g's g, of a g. Uh, find him on Instagram. Uh, if you can't find him. This up, we'll we'll tag him in the post. Uh, but it was a fun fun episode. We got a lot out of it, hell of fun. I hope you guys enjoy it.
1: Let's get started.
2: Lifestyle design, I think, is to me uh, the act of as intentionally as possible, trying to build. A life that provides meaning and doesn't necessarily accept some default answer mm-hmm. uh, as the way that things need to be. Hmm. More about meaning than...
1: Yeah, I hadn't thought of it um, in terms of meaning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I am without really thinking about it.
0: I always think of it as more of lifestyle design is about doing. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't ever really try to pull meaning out of it. What do you mean by doing? So lifestyle, like my idea of lifestyle design, was always. How can I do the things I want to do versus make my life meaningful? I guess I haven't really to. Why is it you want to do the things you want to do? Because they're meaningful. Because they make me happy. Yeah. I guess so. But I, I. But that's like the another level that I didn't think about. Hmm. So it's like kind of like saying, like, oh, is playing a sport just about the physical aspect? Or is it about the mental aspect? Is it about the, you know, the brotherhood of the teammates? Is it about... You know, competition. It was, like, different levels. Sure, for sure. So I was always just at, like, the the physical aspect of yeah. just the doing and not really the gathering, the meaning.
1: When did lifestyle design enter your world? Like, when, do you remember when you first heard it?
0: Or he,
2: um, yeah. I think I probably first heard it with the four-hour work week. I don't know if he actually talks about it in that, but I think that was one of the first... Books that I ever read that uh,
0: was an example of something that was yeah. distinctly mm. different from. I'd, yeah. I don't think it was implicitly that lifestyle design is kind of a newer term, mm. but he definitely that was lifestyle. Yeah, as a term, I feel like I hear more about it from YouTube than from yeah uh, anything else. Mm. We well, we I heard it. I guess you brought it too from Connor. Yeah. The realness. The it was pleasure monkey. Yeah. Pleasure monkey podcast. Connor. Mm. Uh, What's his last name? Moore.
1: I don't know. We'll have to look Connor
0: it up. Connor Wanders. That's his, that's his Instagram <laughs> handle. Handle is Connor Wanders.
1: Oh! Oh, I thought that was his last name. Wanders. <laughs> oh
0: my god. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, a cool, yeah, that's
2: a Denver cool. He lives in
1: Denver now. It's yeah, cool. that is cool. It's so funny because the four-hour work week definitely had such an impact. But then I will talk to people about it, and they've never read it, which is crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a. I mean. Uh, like many things it has, like its tribe or like the bubble that yeah. kind of clued into it. Yeah. Um,
1: I was going to reread it actually. Um, I asked someone I follow on Instagram, Mickey Ash, who's a traveling yoga teacher and she does all, all types of stuff. Yeah. And I think I asked her what really helped her on her journey as she organized um, priorities. I think day-to-day that's one of the mo- the biggest challenges that comes up is deciding what's the most important thing to start with because once you've got the free time it's uh you think you're gonna be so focused and you're gonna get so much done but then once you have the free time you're like oh gosh yeah. where do I start yeah and she said one of the, the things that really helped her was reading the four-hour work week hmm. and I thought okay cool yeah I should return to that
0: yeah Duncan one of the questions that I really wanted to ask you okay I love what people answer is what is your morning routine
1: Slash, do you have
0: a specific morning routine that you do?
2: Um, Man, I've struggled with morning routines because uh, since high school, I had a habit of snoozing. Yeah. Um, And so for years, I think I've just fought with sleep. my sleep schedules. Yeah. And so I think this year is maybe the first year that I've had somewhat of a consistent morning routine um, where... It starts out the night before, getting to bed, mm-hmm. uh, 9 p.m. in bed. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> you
1: were making fun of me for wanting to be in bed by 9. I'm saying
2: like early. I'm about that early bed. Uh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't hit my morning routine uh, yeah. every single morning, but yeah. if I can get in bed early, then I wake up. My ideal wake up time, I think would be 5 a.m., but Ooh. more often than not, it's 6 to 7. Nice. Um, at the beginning of this year it was easily nine AM, nine mm-hmm. thirty, ten. 10. Uh, I work in tech and so sleeping in uh, is a totally fine thing that I, I uh
1: Wow, really? You sleep into. till nine or ten?
2: It's possible, yeah. It's crazy. Everybody, it's possible. You can work in tech.
1: I guess I could work in anything. <laughs> If you make it happen. It depends
2: what company you're working for, too. Yeah. Either way. Uh,
1: but you feel better waking up earlier. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, my, my ideal would be wake up at five, um, do my morning pages. So three pages, stream of consciousness. Uh
1: Influenced by The Artist's Way. Yeah,
0: amazing book. We uh, gotta have
1: a podcast where we explain more about The Artist's Way, because we yeah. bring it up almost every time.
0: I like how you lean in every time. <laughs> I just <laughs> want
1: to make sure my Influence, words are very... By the
0: Artist's Way. Very
1: clear. Sponsored by... <laughs> All right, back, clear people. Back, back to you, Duncan. Thanks, Rach.
2: <laughs> I feel like we're news anchors. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'd wake up, I'd do my morning pages, mm-hmm. and then... Uh, a lot of times I would go right from morning pages into some sort of sketching, some sort of other creative act, mm. and it just feels nice to knock out some sort of creative act that isn't just writing a stream of consciousness. Uh, the feeling of accomplishment just feels awesome. Yeah. It's like, wow, not only did I write three pages and sketch you know, two spreads of a sketchbook, uh, But it's also 6.30 a.m. The sun's just coming up.
1: Yeah. It's a good way to to start the day creatively. Yeah. I think that's cool.
2: Yeah. And then I have a dog, and so I'll walk her. And then typically at some point in this spread of an hour, either before morning pages, during it, uh, after it, at a cafe, I'll get coffee. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Does Rue accompany mm -hmm. you? Rue and in a dog? Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, to get coffee? Yeah. If we're getting it at a cafe, almost definitely, unless it's raining. Cute. Yeah. Um, and then breakfast is kind of a, a toss-up whether it happens. I would say most mornings um, there's 50% chance that I eat breakfast. Intermittent fasting.
1: Yeah. Uh, is that intentional?
2: No, it's something that started when I was in architecture school. mm um, And I would just get into super long work stretches, and whenever I was in those stretches, I just stopped eating, Mm -hmm. and I felt like it made me sharper. Mm -hmm. And just get your senses just sharpened. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's starvation. (laughs) The creative juices would just flow, and all the the lines are sharper.
1: I think that's what they they say that with um, intermittent fasting that that's one of the benefits, though.
0: Yeah, I inadvertently stumbled onto it. Nice. Um, so you kind of your your morning's a little bit flexible you're not like very strict like I have to do this ABC every morning to function you're kind of just like no yeah uh,
2: my, my mornings are very flexible and flexible. I think uh, there's loose things that I enjoy doing I typically after coffee morning pages creativity mm-hmm. walking room whatnot we'll play a chess game or um, we'll read a book nice but what happens every single morning is kind of uh, at the yeah. whim of when I end up waking up and uh, what the day requires of me. You like to ease into the day. I definitely like to ease into the yeah, day. Me yeah, me too.
1: And the nice thing is that when you wake up early, you have that flexibility of being able to do a few things. Because yeah. if I slept till 9 or even like 8, 8.30, then I would feel, start to feel... Uh, Stress or the need to be productive. Yeah. Oh, right it was all. I mean, I would wake yeah. up at
2: nine. I live fifteen minutes from where I used to work, and I could wake up at nine and be at work at nine thirty and make mm-hmm. coffee at work. And so mm. I basically would do my morning routine at work. At work. At work. Yeah. Uh, and I had one week this last year where I played with waking up at four. Whoa. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh what time did you go to bed five eight eight to nine yeah Th- that, that week ended when uh we had a holiday party um on friday and i realized how almost impossible it is to live in the real world and yeah. also wake up at four you basically have to be a recluse in some ways mm. Nothing wrong with that
0: No, no it's because <laughs> uh, my compared to you guys my i have to i'm, I'm like a dog I'm very regimented in my morning routines. So just like my dog, Champ, in the morning, he expects his peanut butter first, and then he gets his dental bone, and then he gets his cookie. Very, very annoying, he knows what's happening next, and he expects that. If you, if you verge from that, he gets very upset, hmm. just like me. I like to wake up at the same time I go. I, just, I like to be very ordered in particular in my routines. What happens when that doesn't it play out? I, I can adapt. But it's just preferable that mm. I stick with what I know, mm. and I, cause I, I, I like to plan stuff ahead of time, so that I know this takes me this amount of time, which leads into this, which takes me this amount of time, you know what I mean? So like it's very dot dot dot, one after another, and everything just lays in the pe- into the row, mm. just kind of it's like slide, go down slide until, yeah. into the day. Is that done? So you have some. Uh
2: feeling of stability or like things it's control that, uh, everything will okay
0: i like the control yeah i like to know i like to be uh, like have control over my day yeah. and know where I'm, I'm going interesting yeah we'll have
1: to see if that changes down the line
0: yeah it's it's going to be an interesting transition yeah, yeah.
1: we'll um, see i have a question uh a lot of people have been talking about how they set an hour uh limit so when they wake up no social media no phone for an hour what do you think about that
2: that sounds great. I think um, it's only been in the last year. So, in this year, I quit my job and I've been doing consulting and art full time. And uh, the consulting's on the product and design side of things. And so, um, before that, I never was super tapped into social media. And now, making visual art, uh, it's becoming more and more of a part of my life. And so, uh, I think that there wasn't as much of a draw to check my phone I think when I was younger maybe there was and you know, I'd keep it by my bed but now the phone is charged mm-hmm. somewhere else in the room where I'd have to wake up get out of bed, grab the phone and get back into bed and I already know that it leads to me being in bed and snoozing and I think having things like the morning pages uh, I also have a meditation practice and Sometimes that happens in the morning, sometimes it's in the afternoon, but having all these things that I do enjoy doing uh, essentially means that I don't check
1: anything digital
2: because I already have a bunch of things, and so um, I think whether it's filling your morning up with things that do uh, fill you up as a person, or it's setting, you know, I'm going to set this time limit not to go on, mm-hmm. um, whatever works for you, that sounds great. For me, I think anything that starts out with discipline uh, ends up falling apart at some point because there's just no real joy in discipline. Mm. I love discipline.
1: <laughs> it's so interesting seeing different personalities I and I love, what they thrive I love of.
2: discipline. I do too. When... When it started out, I love the beginning. Like, the militant discipline of uh, waking
0: up at four was amazing. Yeah. But by the end of the week... Well, see, uh, That yeah, the four o'clock is a little extreme for me, but <laughs> I just love, I love controlling my life. Hmm. Maybe that's my own thing I need to work on, but I love having the regimen. Yeah. I mean... Well, light. especially
1: in the morning, as you're getting out of that sleepy stage and... Entering into the day, I hop out of bed. Feels, I'm ready to go. Six <laughs> thirty. <6:30, laughs> for me, mm, I it like feels bar, really in, oh nice. My. It feels really nice having the things that you do every morning, like especially coffee. It's a nice thing to look forward. To. I mean, I do
0: that. I wake up and journal for half an hour yeah. and then go on my day. But yeah. I, I like regimen
1: All right, so that's Duncan's morning routine.
0: Yeah, I wanna okay. I'll just go. I want the meat. I want the. meat Yeah, I was about to I say. I want the meat of the story.
1: A lot of people would love to have your life.
0: Would <laughs> love. <laughs> You'd be surprised.
1: Really? Yeah. Well,
0: okay. So. Well, if
1: you tell, if you went to a dinner party. Yeah. And you told someone about your day and how mm-hmm. what you were doing. Yeah. I think most people would say, "Hmm, that looks, that sounds pretty cool."
2: I think people find it fascinating. I don't know that people would trade.
1: Well, why don't you tell everybody sure. what your what your life yeah, is yeah, like? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so I live in San Francisco. Uh, And for the last five years, I've run a hostel out of my house. And uh, in addition to that, I am a product designer uh, helping tech startups figure out how to build the things that their customers will love. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm rock climbing, making art, playing music. Uh, And it leads to a really enjoyable, balanced life. Um, I think the main thing, if everything was the same, the the one piece of it that people uh, have told me explicitly that they couldn't do is run the hostel. Mm. Most people don't want 10 strangers living in their house at any time and not really to know who they're living with. Mm. This gets to the control thing, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, For sure. I mean, do you think you would have been okay with that? Um like say eight, how long have you had the hospital? Five years. Five years. I don't know, say like eight years. You've kind like of conditioned I your like eight years ago. If you'd started oh, it earlier, I feel like you've kind of conditioned yourself to be comfortable with the uncomfortable.
2: For sure, yeah. I mean I think that uh earlier on there was uh there were more moments of discomfort. Um I remember people Ringing the doorbell at three a.m. to get in, Oy. and uh, I don't no. like I don't like having people interrupt my sleep, and so uh, I would get pretty upset. Um, that but would. over time, yeah, I definitely get conditioned I've gotten conditioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also the benefits that I saw were very clear, even in the abstract sense before we started it. Uh, I had this idea that the amount of people that you meet in a given year may be in the low hundreds, like the people you actually connect with and have a a deep conversation with or like actually can get vulnerable with and uh, show a little bit of yourself and have them do the same for you. A dozen, two dozen new people. I have no idea.
1: I'd say that's
2: even less, I'd say even less than that. way yeah. less
1: than that. Half a one. Every day, a quarter of a
2: person. Yeah. And so, with the hostel, my thought was, uh, what would happen if I created some experiment where I interacted with hundreds of people a year and was able to have that type of connection
0: mm-hmm.
2: with an exponentially greater. Uh, set of yeah. individuals and like, what would what would come of the yeah. social connections that uh, that that type of machine afforded. Yeah.
0: So, your intent was your intention of the hostel originally for that, or yeah. was it so, okay? It so was an you,
2: idea of like how much chaos can in, can I invite into my life with the idea that like the more chaos that I can handle uh the luckier like quote unquote all yeah. like, the more opportunities that exist to connect with people, the more luck yeah will also come into my life because
0: so, I feel like a lot of people come in, would do something like that because they would see it as like a uh, economic opportunity right sure I mean
2: there's uh total benefits yeah. there as well like but yeah San Francisco rent is bonkers. I was living paycheck to paycheck um and so figuring out some way where I could cut down mm-hmm. on the cost of rent. Like I was paying, uh, something like a thousand a month when I lived in DC. And when I moved out to SF, uh, that went up to 2000. And so when we ran the numbers on the hostel, my roommate and I, Zane, uh, the guy that I started it with, when we ran the numbers originally, our goal was, can we cut our rent down to a thousand bucks each? Um, and so, just getting down to that
0: number, mm-hmm.
2: I think uh, there was definite economic
0: motives for it as well. Yeah, but your main motive was this kind of social experiment, yeah. also like I personal, think like development kind of thing. I think if
2: your main motive is economic, I say you, but it's really for me. If my main motive is economic. Uh, the juice isn't going to be worth the squeeze and I'm going to get tired of something at some point. Right. lose um, yeah, the authenticity. I can
1: see when you make it about people and this really, I guess, comes down to everything, whether it's your job or, um, I don't know, anything. When you make it about people, then it's so much easier to connect and enjoy whatever you're putting your energy into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, you must have, like, such a wide um, perspective on things, too, after talking to me. So many people,
2: wider than I used to have for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's not a single type of person that stayed with us. We've had all ages, races, uh, genders, just a tons of different types of lives, and so um,
0: it's been an awesome, expansive experience. Do you think you'd be where you are today if you hadn't have done the hostel? Is a mm-hmm. hostel like a you think as like a pivotal? part of your life like experience that you've created
2: yeah for sure Um, yeah
1: uh, 100% (laughs) was there a guess or maybe a couple most memorable like they impacted you on such a level that really changed your outlook on life
0: Hmm. you've
1: had so many people I know it must be tough I know you have a lot of funny stories and (laughs) not so funny stories that are now funny (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
2: um, I don't know that anybody comes to mind that has changed my outlook on life. I think uh, the so many so many of the um, biggest effects on I think anybody's lives are like just the daily things that they choose to do over and over again, mm-hmm. and then the accumulated result of that daily habit.
1: Hey. <laughs> Ooh, shout out to my brand.
2: It's true. Uh the the small things add up in a way. It's like compounding interest. It's gonna be so much more of a impact to do one small thing every single day. Like if you go to the gym mm. fifteen minutes every day, you meditate five, ten minutes every day,
1: yeah.
2: Uh it'll do more for you than
1: yeah.
2: uh one huge experience. Mm. Yeah. And so I think just the daily uh the daily experience of, uh, essentially being of service. Like I wake up and there are strangers in my kitchen and it's not like it happens every day, but a lot of times I'm there to improve their trip to San Francisco, to connect them to each other, to connect them to experiences in the city. And so, um,
1: that's a different energy waking up to, too. I just realized, like, when I wake up, I'm in my own little world, but if I had strangers in my kitchen, all of a sudden it would be... That'd be scary if we're um, strangers in <laughs> For this kitchen, there would be... That would be... Um, yeah, all of a sudden you have to turn on this giving energy, which is an interesting way to start the yeah. day.
0: Yeah. Service. There's also things like
2: uh, taking things personally, like... Mm. To wake up and find a ton of sink uh, dishes in the sink, and to feel like fucking hostile guests. Like, can I curse on
1: the podcast? Yeah, we were, we're wondering we're, about that. <laughs> last <laughs> we're, <Matt>? we're clean. <laughs>
0: y'all can we're it. We're on clean <laughs> rating on the iTunes right now. <laughs> y'all so. can, y'all can. We can that. change it. Yeah, we can yeah, change yeah, it. I feel
1: like we should be able to cuss.
0: Garsh, darn it.
1: We cuss in everyday life. Why is it any different on the podcast? <laughs>
0: because.
1: Nona's
2: listening? Listening. Nona's listening. We love you, Nona. <laughs> love to Nona. Um, but yeah, I think well, these gall darn hostile guests uh, leaving yeah. dishes in the sink. But then, you know, it it uh, being in that role of I'm here to be of service, it's a mm. hospitality business, uh, has been a nice teacher for me to step back and think you know what uh there's plenty of benefits yeah that I'm getting from this uh and there's a Thich Not Han quote that I love uh where he says um the only time you can be upset about washing dishes is when you're not doing it yeah and it's like and whenever you start washing dishes it actually feels okay and uh so
0: Cool. Yeah.
1: I like that quote. It's so true. As soon as you start doing something that you've been putting off, it's like you experience just an exhale.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, this isn't so bad.
2: No. Yeah. And it's like, oh, all the the resistance that I had to doing this thing uh, felt worse than doing the thing actually did.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Mostly because I usually do the dishes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You, Matt, you moved in a week ago. So you haven't seen the dishes that I always do.
0: Anyway, moving
1: um,
2: <laughs> on.
0: <laughs> I um I want to touch on this because you you mentioned you know you recently moved changed jobs you mm. moved to San Francisco. Talk about a few moments in your life where you had to make a pivot. So starting from college, right? Mm. You were an architect major. Mm-hmm. Just like go from there in a different in in your career and life where you had to you've. You kind of thought you were going in one direction, and then realized, this isn't for me. Yeah. How did you decide to make a pivot, and like how did you decide where to actually where to go from there? Hmm.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest pivot was while I was still in college as a senior, uh, I'd been an architecture major the whole time. But going into school, I didn't have. Um, A clear idea of what I wanted to do and the School of Architecture sent me a letter because I had signed up for some mailing list and they (laughs) congratulated me for being accepted to the School of Architecture and I thought well I've always loved architecture why not and so there wasn't a a ton of intentionality with that choice but I think I really once I explored the major before starting school uh, thought it as someone who didn't really know what they wanted to be doing it afforded a pretty wide surface area of possibilities after school and so at some point during school i thought maybe i'll do this thing and i'll just be an architect Uh, and the winter of my senior year i had an internship uh, with this awesome architect named Rodi, and it was ideal in so many ways and i would come home Every single night, just feeling existential dread uh, and freaking out that I was going to get stuck in this profession. That even though every single day was wonderful, like hmm. the work I got to do was engaging. Working with Rhodey was so cool. Uh, it was a beautiful office. Like, life, someone would have loved that life. Yeah. Uh, but I would get home and I'd go on. You know five mile runs at nighttime just churning on uh anxiety about what i was going to do in the future and i had been getting into the startup scene around dc at the time and i think i saw tech as um an industry that met me where i wanted to be in my life so Possibilities to work remotely, to travel, and continue working. Uh, The ability to make creative choices at a much younger age. In architecture, we were told, you know, you have to design bathrooms for a decade or two before you're really going to... Some dope bathrooms. (laughs) Amazing (laughs) bathrooms. Uh, You have to do this for a while, put in your time, and then once you have kind of grueled for a while, uh, you'll be able to design your own buildings. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a, I, th- I think that shows up in a, a lot of different industries. And that's something that I'm really not about. No. The fact that you need to gruel, is that the right word? I don't know. It sounds right. That you need to you grind need to like, yeah. and put in this time and earn your way, Like that's stupid. Yeah i'm not about that people i think that's where lifestyle design comes in because you're like i'm gonna throw those rules out and do what i want to do
2: yeah and i think no matter what you choose to do you're going to have to be in a state of uh building Mm -hmm. and um putting in your time like no matter what i think nobody's gonna show up and just nail it uh
1: Right. There's hard work that goes into it. There's Everybody, trial yeah. and error.
2: And so um, the hard work that I saw in the path of the architect just wasn't the hard work that I was interested in. Right. And so uh, I had a moment where um, it's so funny. I think so much of my life is just kind of going with the flow and then things um, moving me where...
0: Letting the universe show you what's next, kind of. Yeah,
2: for sure. I mean, I think I had this idea, like, okay, maybe I'll get a programming job. I'll teach myself enough programming to make that happen. uh, Or I'll try to get a job doing digital design. Um, But so often, just taking my hands off the wheel uh, and letting things shape themselves out um, has been the course of my life. And so at some point during spring semester of senior year, I was walking through the student union, and there was a pile of free Washington Posts, and I picked one up because I loved doing the crossword, uh, or I used to love doing the crossword. Uh, I don't really get to it anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ran into the engineering leaders at the Post, and my roommate had written a term paper about newspaper business models, and so I started asking them about their business model and what they're doing to try to uh, save their industry and their paper. And uh, that kind of just snowballed into me getting a job as a programmer at the Washington Post.
1: Mm, by asking questions.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think for them, I remember having coffee with one of them later and he said, yeah, every college." kid that came up to us that day was telling us I know how to program in Python and I know how to program in Java and I'm all about compilers and yada yada and and they said it's just kind of boring because everybody just comes up with the same uh, lines kind of in a sales pitchy way and you were the first person that came up and started challenging us and asking us questions and trying to understand how we were thinking about uh, making revenue online and it was the first engaging conversation we had all day and so uh
1: that's interesting because a lot of times and I catch myself doing the same thing I've got the end goal of what I want in the back of my mind and I'm going for that end goal and it's a good reminder to pause and ask questions and learn about other people yeah if Uh, you're in
2: some sort of service I mean you can still have an end goal in mind but uh I think no matter what industry you're in, uh, no matter what your goals are, you can likely get them met by being of service rather than trying to sell someone. Like, figuring out by asking questions, like how can I help you, uh, is gonna be a quicker way to get to what you want than uh, trying to convince somebody mm-hmm. that they should
0: pay you money. Yeah, let them think that was their choice, too. Well, I mean, if you spend your entire time asking
2: great questions and trying to figure out what are the problems that you're trying to solve and how can I help you? uh, Most people, if they feel like you're going to be able to help them, are happy to pay you because they want their problems solved.
0: Yeah, very true. So, went from architecture programming Mm -hmm. that at some point found your way in San Francisco
2: yeah so uh, for tech it's there's a few cities but um, I think uh, my my thought process was um, like if I'm a plant where am I going to bloom like where am I going to thrive where are there going to be people around me that push me it's like I heard something that a goldfish will grow as big as its yeah container mm-hmm. and so uh, DC has some amazing companies um, some of my best friends are living in DC like it was a great place I love DC but when I thought about okay I'm in my early 20s where do I go uh, where I'll be really challenged and pushed and um
1: expanders
2: expanded yeah
1: uh I love that term yeah
2: it was either San Francisco or New York and
0: better weather yeah
2: I was I was tired of uh the cold east winters and I think when I went to I I visited New York a bunch but when I went to San Francisco it just uh everything felt like it was clicking and I think so often in life If things aren't flowing um I don't know how to describe it. It's a body sensation. Um, Intuition. It just felt right, yeah. And so, uh, later that year, after visiting uh, to kind of scope it out, I ended up moving there.
0: All right. So you get to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You get. Would you say, maybe not your dream job, but something where you thought this was, maybe, you what you would continue doing for the foreseeable future, maybe. No, I mean, I think I got the job that was exactly what I wanted,
2: um, which was something that was really going to challenge me and push Mm -hmm. me. I worked for a company called Mapbox, um, which uh, took my skills and my critical thinking, especially when it came to programming and uh, digital design, to the next level. And I worked there for about a year during which time I also started the hostel um I started the hostel maybe three or four months after moving to San Francisco and it was really uncomfortable uh I was pretty unhappy throughout the experience um and also I I think I knew throughout that uh I was getting exactly what I said I wanted and so yeah um I think there's still a ton of doubts that would come up and, uh, a ton of unhappiness that I, you just kind of ride the waves. Um, but I think, especially once the hostel started, it felt, uh, it felt like, uh, yes, this, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. When I think for the first few months that I was in the city, there was almost a feeling of, uh, um, just being dazed, like, how did I end up here? Like, I never thought my life was gonna go this way, but uh, within a year's time, I think it felt right.
1: Nice. That's a good reminder too. Sometimes you see people who are going off and going on these adventures and looking at it through a phone, through social media, it looks awesome. And you never, really, you never see the adjustment period or the challenges. And, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. It's, it's nice to talk about those things because there are a lot of people who want to take a risk and go on a, an adventure, whether that means moving to a different state or even country or quitting their job. Um, and it's just nice to know that it's normal to have these uh, these... Uh, transition yeah. and all the emotions and the roller coaster and that it'll even out.
2: Yeah. And I mean uh so often I think when you're feeling unsatisfied or like life isn't meaningful in one way or another you can romanticize like oh if I quit my job mm-hmm. if I uh did the career that you know I love I know that I love in my heart of hearts um then everything would be great and I would find like permanent happiness and it's just not going to happen. Like uh, I think baseline, everybody can find some sort of eventual peace that could be constant, but happiness is a thing that trying to hold on to it or trying to create some sort of sustained experience of happiness doesn't make sense to me. So the more you seek it, the less you're... You're just reaffirming that, that's not what you have right now. Or if you do have it and you're stuck on staying happy, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, you immediately slip into some sense of anxious clinging to it. Mm. Um, and so rather than having the goal be happiness, um, that's why I think going back to the lifestyle design question, meaning ends up being, I think a more interesting yeah. end goal. Cause if you can create a life of meaning, even in times that are uh, unhappy in one way or another, uh, you can still find some sort of peace in, in the meaning that you have.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's probably what me, I and probably other people do. Is I'm always trying, or I was always trying to find what I thought would make me happy. Like you said, you got, you had the job in San Francisco, and you you got what you wanted, and you realized that you still felt like there was something that wasn't off or was off and I feel like myself I try to do things that I think will make me happy but realizing that it's just it's it's like a it's a fake kind yeah. of feeling to it all right? and then what I got is not what I actually wanted.
1: So you're always kind of questioning like what should I do next? What am I supposed to do? But if you focus on meaning then I think we all know we all, we all know what is meaningful to us. And so when you start thinking about what brings meaning into day-to-day, it's way easier to move the needle forward every day mm-hmm. and to just trust what's happening. I like that perspective. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Thanks for bringing that to the yeah, table. You're welcome. Yeah. What else do we got, Matt?
0: Yeah. Uh, let's bust out the book. <laughs> um, oh, so... I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but we have a, we created a bucket list. Okay, coming great. back from Marfa's vineyard, the how long is that drive? Right? 8 hours, 10 hours.
1: No, I don't that was coming back from the beach.
0: No, it was coming back from Marfa's vineyard. It was okay. right after we got over the bridge. Okay. <laughs> Thank
1: <laughs> you. Well, it's it's a long list. We
0: created a bucket list. So, Duncan Graham, you've hmm. done a lot of things in your life. What is your top five bucket list items that you are still yet to do.
1: Whew. And maybe you don't have a bucket list. Yeah. And maybe you need to get on the train.
2: Oh wow. Y'all do have a big bucket list. We have list. a long We have a lot list. of time to think. Yeah. And we're
0: we're yeah. The be-
1: I think the best place to create a bucket list is driving on a long time. Because you
0: have no other choice other than to think. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um you seem like a very, like, you like to let the universe guide you, yeah, right? Totally. So you probably don't really have something like, I want to do this, because if the opportunity pops up, you're like, that looks awesome, I'll yeah. do that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of times, uh, I'm trying to think of an example for what I'm thinking of, but a lot of times, my idea of the best case scenario isn't actually the best case scenario, and, mm-hmm. uh it's limited in one way or another. And when I let go the best case scenario that I wouldn't have ever dreamed of, uh, pops into my life and, uh, I'm happily surprised. Mm -hmm. Um, when I think about a bucket list, there's a few things that stand out. Uh, so I do not only design for, uh, kind of startups and uh, digital products, but also print, uh, And packaging design, and so designing a book cover, designing a wine label, designing a beer bottle or beer can all three of those I think
0: are bucket list items. Um,
1: I love seeing those labels, I used to always buy
0: beer based on the label, yeah, I still do, (laughs) and books, yeah, I think a great book cover, a great beer
2: can, a great wine bottle label, uh, will get me to buy it, uh, Mm -hmm. and so. I very much judge things by their covers, and uh, designing some of them I think would be really
0: cool.
1: They're so, a lot of times they're so whimsical, and it, it breaks down the everyday seriousness that can yeah. pop up, and it's just fun to see that.
2: There's two, two goals. So I did this uh, book at the beginning of 2018, I think, called You Are a Dream, and it's a workbook. Uh, slash this guy's life philosophy mm-hmm. and it wrote uh, or it had me write three dreams that I would love to see accomplished in the next five years mm-hmm. and so I'm almost halfway through that five year span uh, the first dream was to find a romantic partner that um, I had a list of things that was like supportive, lighthearted, hearted uh, enthusiastic about life lovely and um, Amorphous type, uh, but good good qualities. <laughs> so, I met her, and I've been dating her, and Michelle, for a year and a half now. Shout out to me! Yeah. <laughs> and then the second was a independent creative practice that encouraged adventure, and so I feel like in the last year, quitting my job and then starting my own independent consultancy, uh, and kind of reinvigorating my own art practice. Like that's starting to happen more and more. Um, we'll see where that goes. And then the final dream in that book uh, was to do some sort of experiment with community that is kind of the next step up from the hostel. And so mm-hmm. the hostel was, uh, we've had about 5,000 guests most cities in the world, I can reach out to someone and say, "Hey, I'm in town. I'd love to grab a drink or coffee." Uh, and it's cool to have, you know, friends all around the world. I think that the next uh, level of that, I don't know whether it's uh, kind of bumping up the size of the hostel or doing something like I've, I've dreamed of, like having a larger plot of land where. I could build a bunch of tiny houses or commune, commune. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> live in that commune life. That is community. all about that. Yeah. I'm, st- I'm going to start a commune. Nice. I mean, I think a lot of people in our generation, I wonder why, but I talk
0: to a bunch of people about this and they're all on the same wavelength. See but... everyone in my, in my business field, they judge me for that. They think I'm a hippie. Cause I'm like, I want to live in
1: well for me, it's I just
0: th- funny. Like the different spheres. What do they think hippies are? Me. Because <laughs> like, you're not a hippie. I know.
1: Because you meal prep and bring healthy food I to lunch. Eat healthy
0: food, do yoga, and want to live on a commune. I, mean, I think I, I would love to know what people who aren't into the commune
2: think a commune is, or like what a commune would provide. Maybe you I think, think it's culty. Well, I think it's, I think a cult needs some sort of leader. Yeah. Charismatic
1: yeah.
0: leader that totally. demands, like, total respect.
1: Totally, yeah. yeah. That's me. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> um, I think, so, like, the sphere that I come from mm. is obviously super capitalistic, like, not that capitalism is bad, per se, but it's just more of um, like a dog-eat-dog dog kind of world. Hmm. where Like competition over collaboration. Competition. Yeah, for sure. You're, you're, it's all about the, the bottom line hmm. kind of thing. And the idea of, like, people working together and, like, no ulterior motives. Hmm. They're like, oh, you're... I definitely hitting. have
2: ulterior motives, but, like, the motive... Like, when I think about that land, it's like, could I have a place where raising a family feels... Just super connected to the whole community and like all the kids like are it life should be running around outside, yeah. Yeah. enjoying their lives. Like there's a huge community garden. Yeah, um, yeah. I think about all that stuff and think about. Um, I
1: think that's like what's, what's the me.
2: ideal way of living.
1: Yeah, that's missing today, and I think we're getting more separated. And maybe that's why our generation is craving this, hmm. like communities, like there used to be where everybody in the community took care of one another yeah like I uh, yeah that would be really nice to have that a sense of safety and I'm reading a book on hygge and for most people if Uga. you know what hygge is um it's characterized as coziness and warmth but there's so much more that goes into the word and it's all about community as well and I think the Danes uh have really done a great job with that but since the u.s is such a big country kind of have to make your own smaller area yeah i just i want to have a commune that's like a little denmark
0: it's yeah. a it's a well the idea of a commune though also is a lot of vulnerability right you you've dropped your defenses i think in our world we are very defensive against strangers particularly Just like threats in general, threats in general. Like we just go through our days with our shields up. People don't make eye contact with other people. You know, walking down the street. You know, when you're driving to work, everyone's in their own car. For my experience, because I Mm -hmm. commute, everyone's in their own vehicle, windows up, not looking straight ahead, or looking. Most people are looking at their phones. To be honest, you know, people are just kind of living their own life and not making that human connection. And that we're missing that in our life and we're we're kind of regressing,
2: Hmm.
0: you know, we're not we're not we're missing our humanity where if you have a commune, you have to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. because you are relying on each other. If you have something if there's something wrong with me, I have to let you know because it might affect you. And that could impact their survival. Yeah. Not that we're like Alaskan Bush people, but... But you know. <laughs> these, the
1: community aspect is huge with health too. Hmm. Like people would live longer and healthier, yeah, happier lives just by being around others and feeling a belongingness.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So we're going to start coming. Yeah. <laughs> that That's
1: great. happening, I guess so.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think those are the...
2: I mean... The bucket list items that stand out like there's a few work things yeah um oh man uh doing a vipassana retreat as well a nine day silent meditation i think mm. would be uh i think every single year i thought maybe this is the year that i do that uh and each year i kind of kick
0: it like in the himalayan uh, monastery or something or like Honestly, like
2: just in San Francisco would be fine too, uh,
0: or in California. You don't want to sit on top of the mountain
2: peak. I mean, I think it would like... be beautiful to be, you know, somewhere, somewhere exotic. But uh... what's the?
0: um... Have you heard of uh, Jesse Itzler? No. Well, he's, uh, he's, he, he's a he.
1: He's married to uh, Sarah. What's her
0: last well, name? Well, he owns like a co- he started like a coconut water. Anyway, regardless, he did uh, he did like this this silent med- like two week meditation or retreat in New York somewhere. It was really cool.
1: But. Yeah, it was interesting hearing about that. I had a yoga student that came up to me recently and told me that she had just done a silent retreat. Hmm. And all of a sudden she was telling me about it and I was feeling like, I feel like I'm supposed Sorry. to be. <laughs> a party foul. Um, I feel like I'm supposed to do a silent retreat sometime soon. So I took down the information and she told me there are they're everywhere yeah. and they're free. I mean, you can make a donation, which mm-hmm. is what I would want to do, Yeah. or you could do some work and give back, but they offer these retreats for free, which is really cool and incredible.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a hostel guest stay with us a month or so ago, and he did 10 days as a practitioner, and then he donated his time for the uh, second 10 days, and then... They like if you donate your time, uh, the first
0: ten days are on the house. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So that's that's the bucket list. That's the. That's, that's the, what I can think of right now. Yeah. That's, I don't a, that's a, a pretty good bucket it's list. A, I, I like I like your your view on life. You know, it's let just take life as it comes to you. You know, don't try to create something that's out there.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of times when I've, uh, I mean, there's been plenty of times when I had some sort of egoic uh, drive to make something happen and oftentimes it's the same intuition is like when something's going right like having the intuition that I just can feel that I'm forcing mm-hmm. something to happen uh, it just becomes clear like I, I should probably let this thing if this is something that I'm so concerned about happening
0: mm-hmm. I should probably let it go yeah yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it a lot.
1: Do you have any other questions?
0: Yeah, I I loved when I who were I think Lewis House, does it? Like the what's your if recommended book? best your favorite book. Oh, I love this one too. What book changed your life yeah. that you want to change other people's life? For <laughs> sure. <laughs> with. Um <I> butchered that.
2: <laughs> I think the I think the book that probably, that I've read the most amount of times, and that has had the biggest impact on my life, is The Power of Now, by Eckhart Tolle. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I think. Uh, I haven't read that. My The first time I heard about it was actually when Rachel was uh, living in Paris, and the whole family went over to visit her, and I was sitting at a cafe with Dad, and... Uh, He said, Duncan, I got to tell you something. You're not in control. What what do you mean? He was like, you've got this thing in your mind that's talking all the time, and you're not in control of it. And he just read the book, and uh, he said, I'll send it to you. And so he sent it to me, and I... uh, If someone says, this thing changed my life, and you don't give it a go uh, it you're playing yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Like I, since then, if I ask someone like what's changed your life in the last year and they say, man, the biggest change in my life has been X, Y, or Z. It's like, cool. I'll, I mean, given that it's a positive change, I'll go and immediately try it out. Cause Meth. why not? <laughs> Meth has been, <laughs> been the biggest expander for me in the last year. <laughs>
0: no, but like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's important, you know?
2: I didn't check out the book until maybe three months later and I was just uh, deeply unhappy Mm -hmm. Uh, and I checked out this book and the book was like written for me in that time Mm -hmm. and was just such a great mirror for the loops of unhappiness that I was kind of not stuck in so much but like just identified with and so... I was just tracing the same mental lines over and over again. And I think the book was uh, just the perfect wedge to kind of throw in between uh, me and the loops that my mind was running.
0: I like it. I'm going to read that. Go for it. Let me know what you think. Uh, I actually am. I want to go read it today. We're we're going to march Nice. I
1: actually believe that's happening. As soon as Matt wants something and he's made a choice, it's like, boom.
0: We're doing it. We're done. It's happening. (laughs) All right. So final word okay you, for our list, our faithful listeners out there um, if anyone is stuck where they're at they don't feel they feel like there's something missing or that they're not kind of living the life that is meant for them they're mm. not listening to the universe what is your one line of advice to give them to kind of open their eyes or got, put them back on the right path Whew. Um
2: I think uh the one line that immediately came to mind, I was like, oh I know what I'm gonna say. It's hard because it's like who knows what type of stuck you're in, mm-hmm. but uh for me the thing that always shakes stuff up is just say yes more. Hmm. Uh and then the more you say yes to what's going on, uh the more things will open up. And, uh, whether it's saying yes to how I'm feeling right now. Maybe it is like I'm, I feel sad or I'm angry right now. It's like, yeah, I am angry. And like nothing else needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's someone outside of you saying, hey, do you want to go do this thing that you wouldn't necessarily do uh, in your kind of programmed way of living. Um, and then you say yes and shake things up. Uh, the more times you say yes, uh, it's like the world harmonizes with you. Mm-hmm. And then more yeses come up, and you can find yourself in places that uh, are pretty amazing just because you
0: said yes a bunch of small times. Doors open. Yeah. So go out, say yes, read some Eckhart Tolle, and your life will be changed. The Duncan Grandway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's coin that. <laughs> All right, that was an awesome episode. Yeah. Thank you, Duncan, Thank for you. being on. Just yeah. Yeah, thanks for our me.
0: inaugural guest. Yeah.
1: First interview. maybe it was wonderful.
0: Maybe more to come. Yeah. Maybe maybe you'll be back again. I'd be happy to come back. Appreciate it. Well, that is it. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.
1: Bye. 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 Bye.